We want the kids to be good people. And then next, we want to make sure that we develop them as much as we can and give them the best opportunity to get to their goals. If you stay with us and you believe in the process, you'll end up at a good place. That was Bayside FC Boys Director of Coaching, Kevin Bacher. And he's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome to another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today I'll be joined by Bayside FC Boys Director of Coaching, Kevin Bacher. Hey, Kevin, Happy New Year, and thanks for uh, joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this is uh, great times. We're getting ready for our spring season coming up, um, and we're excited about getting going, and I'm very excited about being here and uh, sharing some stuff that we're doing here at Bayside. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys have been uh, pretty busy. Just went to California for the MLS Next Fest last month um, out in the Palm Springs area, but uh you mentioned you guys have been on the road kind of a lot in the fall portion of the schedule, but, but before the new year, what's what's that been like? Yeah, so we uh, we're in ex- we got the expansion uh, last uh, last summer or last spring. Uh, so this fall season was uh, our first uh, full season um, with uh, U13, 14, 16, 19, and MLS next. Um, and I guess maybe as the newcomers to the to the league, they decided to give us uh, <laughs> ten away games and uh, and two home. Uh, which was uh, interesting, uh, stepping into the league like that um, and a little bit of travel, which uh, actually was really, really good for us um, in the sense for team bonding, uh, something different for the kids uh, because our 16s and 19s had to give up high school. uh, So they had a four-pass high school, which, uh, you know, is a tough decision for some of the boys. Um, But it was nice because we got to travel as as a team um, to the places we went to. We would uh, rent vans. Uh, four vans uh, for the two older groups and then four for the two youngers and we would drive up uh, the staff would take them we would because they were double weekends we'd stay over in New York New Jersey um, southern Connecticut and uh, and then play Saturday Sunday and come back so it really led to some really really good team bonding and, and good team experience uh, and also for the seniors it helps them prepare for college right those those bus trips and that those road trips are, are key at any level of soccer I know that that Anybody who's ever played a sport knows that's kind of the best bonding time is you're in a bus with it's not well nowadays with the technology a lot of these kids bury their faces in their phones but back in the day that's when you did all your talking do you notice that do the guys socialize or are they in their phones the whole time no they're, they're pretty good about it uh, we we tend to try to remind them uh, certainly when we do team meals and stuff we like to tell them no phones out uh, phones have to stay in the pocket or the bag uh, but yeah a lot of a lot of watching uh, we try to sometimes maybe say hey why don't you watch now with the um, video being involved with all the games we try to say hey why don't you watch the team that we're going to play and do a little little scouting report in groups and then maybe when we get to the hotel they can kind of reflect on what they saw so it's not just coach driven as well right obviously one of the major uh developments with with the with bayside over the last year has been that mls next expansion uh, just kind of take me through that process you know why did you guys decide that now was the right time to do that expansion what does that mean for the club going forward. So before I got here, um, 
Bayside was in the DA, which is uh, at U12 only. And essentially what happened was, uh, you know, the DA dissolved with U.S. soccer, and then that led to MLS coming in and stepping up. Um, and we had, uh, before I got here, they had U13-14, and we felt that, you know, we have a player pool uh, and certainly a coaching staff that's capable of really pushing to the next step. So uh, we had some conversations with MLS uh at the main office with Fred Lipka and, and some of the guys there uh, and, and women there as well um, and felt that the timing was right for us to try to uh, push on and get 16 and 19. Um, and we felt that our player pool, like we, like I said before, is, is, is solid and our, and our coaching staff is solid. Um, so uh, we applied for it um, and through some an interview process, we got it. Um, and I think we're really, really heading in the right direction. Uh, we had a strong, uh, strong showing uh, at the end of the season at, in California. Um, but uh, that's kind of the process that it went through. Do you, at being kind of the new kid on the block in MLS next a little bit, do you expect to take lumps or did you get, do you guys feel like you'll go in there and, and compete right away? No, I think it was kind of going to, I think we all knew and I knew going, it was going to be ups and downs. Uh, you know, our 13s have done really quite well. They're kind of in the, in the middle to the upper tier. Our, um, 16s and uh, 14s, 16s, 19s are kind of somewhere in middle to the bottom uh, right now, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time, and certainly the away games um, kind of put a toll a little bit, you know, our backs up against the wall. But with that said, the spring we're going to be home uh, basically the whole way except for, for one game in Rochester. Um, and then I think our, our winter showcase results uh, really showed that we were fairly, that you know, we can compete with, you know, the best of the best across the country. Um, our 13s went uh, two and one, our 14s went two and one, and then our um, – 16s went two and one, and our 19s went one and two. So overall, it was pretty solid, pretty solid fall and uh, winter. What a cool experience for for kids to fly cross country to California to play in that. I mean, that stuff didn't exist when I was when I was playing back in the late 90s and 2000s. So, what's their demeanor when they're flying to California? They're going to play in a tournament in the desert with palm trees and mountains everywhere. What was, what was that whole experience like? Yeah, it was unbelievable. You know, a lot of our kids are from the inner city Providence area. So, uh, you know, they don't really, we don't really see palm trees and mountains too often. <laughs> uh, and we play, you know, here in the Northeast, 90% of our, well, probably even more now, probably 95% of our games are on, uh, are on turf. For, for our boys, it was an opportunity to get on beautiful grass fields. It was actually held at a polo ground. Um, so the fields were unbelievable. Um, there was over probably 250 to 300 college coaches wow. and scouts from from around the world, um, you know, coming over and looking at players uh, to possibly bring them over the seas, uh, overseas. And there was also, you know, you had the U.S. soccer uh, scouts from U15 all the way up uh, to U, you know, U19, U20 national team scouts. It's kind of interesting where where it is. You know, I started off uh, my previous job at Oakwood where we were in the DA, and you know, when you go to these events, it was just kind of college scouts uh, and a little bit of the national team scouts. And then it evolved to where, you know, now it's um, it was foreign scouts from, you had some from Mexico, you had some from Europe, and now it's all over the world. And now you actually have MLS clubs, uh, academy scouting U13 and U14 games because a lot of these academies now are uh, have these residency programs. I know the Revs are kind of who we have a really really good relationship with, are starting that up as well. Uh, and I think they're they're looking at team kids in New York. They're looking at kids in Texas. It's really crazy. Like you said, like if you would imagine that ten years ago or twenty years ago when we were playing, we'd be like, no, there's no chance. <laughs> Take us inside that relationship you guys have with the Revs. How did that kind of 
connection form and, and how does it work right now? Yeah, John Mark, uh, our, pro- our president, um, who actually funny was my college roommate, and, uh, and that's how I ended up here at Bayside. Um, he he's started a great relationship with the Revs with uh, the previous directors was uh, Gary Hall and uh, Brian um, Brian Scales. Uh, they had a really good relationship there, uh, where they wanted to always send their best players there. Um, and you know we had a couple guys signed from Bayside. You know they went from Bayside. U12, U13 to uh, the Revs Academy team and then ended up signing a professional, right? You had Tico, who actually got his, I think, I believe his first uh, start last year with the first team and scored his first goal. And I think it was Bayside night. It was pretty pretty (laughs) interesting how things work out. Uh, And then they had Isaac Collins, who actually played for... um, I think the Columbus crew next pro this year won a championship. So that relationship is, 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 is there and it's getting better and stronger. Uh, and our goal for us is, you know, teams and clubs, they like to certainly win championships and win trophies. But for us, our big thing is like, can we send our best players to the revs? And, and that's a trophy for us. You know, that's the way we look at it. Or more importantly, can we get kids uh, that stay in our program, you know, to the colleges, to the right places, make sure it's a right fit. Uh, you know, we have Andrew Bilby, Brian, uh, Brian uh, Gerpe, just committed to Providence. Uh, you have um, Owen Ennis who committed to, to West Point. So for us, that's that's what we want to see is where the kids end up after they graduate through our program. We were talking off air about that kind of close relationship with Providence too. I mean, that's kind of the, the big daddy in the area in Rhode Island, the Big East program, a great program. You guys have always had kind of that that strong connection of sending players there. I think there's, I was looking at the roster for Providence yesterday, the 2022 roster had 10 New England kids on the roster. How big is that in kids' minds to want to play, stay home and play at Providence? Yeah, no, it's huge. You know, you have um, right now, we had Kevin Vang, we have uh, Gavork, um, you know, we, now we have Brian coming and Andrew coming. Uh, but it's interesting, right? Our kids get to see, uh, our Bayside kids get to go to the Providence games and they get to see that Kevin Vang, they get to see that, uh, of work and they get to make that personal relationship and they say you know what a couple of years ago that kid was wearing the Bayside red jersey and now he's playing under the lights against Georgetown number one team in the country uh, where two years ago we beat him uh, and we're competing for Big East championships uh, Providence is in the final four they're in the NCAA tournament uh, so it is it's kind of like that that uh, that goal that the kids can actually physically physically see and almost touch and that's like all right that's where I want to be I want to be at Providence or I want to be in a Big East school like that. Outside of the the MLS next component, um, what else is cooking up at the club? I mean, obviously you guys got a lot going on. You have a girls program, you have a boys program. What's what's been yeah, going on? Yeah, so our our girls are in uh, Elite sixty four. Chris Clark, uh, he kind of oversees our girls. He does an unbelievable job. Um, we have uh, a huge opportunity here for our kids. So we went to. Um, we went to California with the MLS Next teams, um, and now we took basically we came back. We took two weeks off. We actually start up tonight, which will be uh, it'll be good. Just the first time back, um, and then we'll start training three days a week. And then for um, President's uh, Weekend, where the kids have the February break, we're taking all uh, all the MLS boys to Spain uh, to Valencia. So it should be a really really exciting trip. That's uh, awesome and great opportunity because a lot of these kids, you know, and myself, they've never been to certain areas and they get to experience football in, in, in another country. And obviously Spain's fairly, uh, fairly good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, outside of the football over there, you guys have, you're going to do some sightseeing. What's that experience? Um, gonna be like? So we're going to do some, some, fo- um, two matches, two La Liga matches. We're not sure exactly which ones they are yet, but our boys will get to see two La Liga matches, uh, which will be a really, really cool experience. And 
then um, a little bit of sightseeing, and then we'll play. Basically, it's, we're calling it a training camp, so we're going to go over. We'll train every day. We'll get three three matches, which we're finalizing now. Um, so it should be really, really interesting. And, you know, we're kind of proud of our boys and the sponsors that we have uh, because basically – it, uh, we gave our kids the opportunity to fundraise for it uh, through uh, selling some calendars where, you know, basically it would be kind of zero cost for them through fundraising. So it was pretty interesting to see how uh, vested the boys were in, in, in taking advantage of this opportunity and really pushing to make sure that we didn't want to leave anybody behind. When are you guys scheduled to get back on the field for the season, resum- resumption of the season? Is that uh, March? The, yeah, the first weekend in March, yeah. uh, we open up. Um, and the way they break it up, the league is, so there's MLS regular season, and then there's MLS flex. Uh, and that's like a kind of a, a cup, I guess you could say, or similar, so almost like a, a Champions League, uh, where we play in a, in a, in a group, um, and then whoever comes out of the group and wins your group, basically, or a certain amount of number of teams, I think it's three or four, they move on to um, uh, the Flex Cup, which is in uh, Maryland, Maryland, and last year it was at the Soccer Plex down there, uh, and it's another good opportunity. So hopefully one of our teams can get into that. How much of a challenge does weather create for for you clubs in in New England? I mean, obviously, because you know, once December rolls around, January, February, it's hard to get outside and really simulate what you might be seeing in the spring and what you saw in the fall. So how, how difficult are those challenges? How do you guys kind of cope with that? Right. So that's one of the reasons why we're going on the training camp uh, to Spain, because we know it's going to guarantee where we can get uh, quality matches and some good training in, uh, and the weather, obviously, it's, it's not going to snow. <laughs> um, but where... Um, it's interesting you say that. So we own our own field. Um, that's uh, you know. So John Mark and, and the club, um, you know, had that investment uh, a couple of years back. So that's huge. So we we own our field at uh, Providence Country Day Field um, School. So if it snows uh, where other teams sometimes don't have the availability, John Mark uh, and the club has the availability to have a plow come in uh, and they clear the field, and we literally can play and train the next the next day, which is a little bit of a change for myself and some of the staff that that came with me. Uh, from my previous place because we're used to maybe training indoors um, where for our older teams where here they were like no no we're gonna go out and train the next day and we looked at each other like wait what there's there's snow there's snow in the yeah. field and like no no there won't be any snow on the field at Bayside we'll uh, we'll clean that up and sure enough yeah it was pretty impressive last year where it snowed and then the next day to clear the field or then that that night they cleared the field and we were able to train so we're we're fortunate enough to have that type of backing. New England's Soccer Journal's The Goal will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerhead's New England Comedy Fundraisers. This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Sirius Radio Comedy, and Jim Ruberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. 
UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and NESoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to NESoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. What do you think about the New England club landscape right now? I mean, it's so competitive. I talk about this with everybody I talk to from the club circuit is like, there's just, there's options for these players. And how do you make sure that your program stands above other programs? Yeah, no, I mean, you have, right, you have the Boston Bolts, you have um, NEFC, you have Oakwood that's fairly close. Uh, so you have some really, really top clubs that are, that are within maybe 30 minutes uh, of each other. What's funny too is I've even heard stories of players commuting like up, upwards of an hour yeah, to go play. So, for like, I know there's some kids from like Western Mass who commute and come play for the Bolts and it's, it's right. insane to me. Yeah, so we have Andrew Bilby who was uh, a member of our, our, our team at Oakwood when I was there uh, and, and he just felt that he needed a change and he actually, he came to us and he's from Ellington, Connecticut <laughs> and you're looking at a, he's looking at an hour and a half ride uh you know, each way. Um, and you know, it's, it has to be the right fit. Um, but in terms of, you know, us staying above, uh, the other clubs and being where we want to be, it's just important for us to, you know, that we teach the kids the right way, right? For us, our main thing is we want the kids to, to be good people. Um, and then next we want to make sure that we develop them as, as much as we can and, and give them the best opportunity for them to kind of get to their goals and their dreams and their, the next level that it may be. It might be playing with the Rebs. It might be staying with us all the way through and going on to college. It might be like we talked about with Tico and Isaac, a kid that, that can be a pro, or it might be somebody like uh, Gavork and Kevin Vang that end up at Providence. So for us, you know, that's the key to say, look, if you stay with us and, and you believe in the process, uh, you'll end up, you'll end up at a good place i gotta say if i was uh if i was like a 17 year old kid and i was commuting like 75 minutes to a practice every day like multiple times a week i'd burn out so fa- I, I have so much respect for these guys who who just are that committed to make that kind of commute and, and practice every week yeah i mean you're talking right so we go three to four times a week um and obviously you got the games on the weekend so it is quite a toll um luckily for somebody like andrew right he's old enough now that he can drive uh but yes yeah, some of these some of these kids are uh, are really into it uh you know we had a kid when i was at oak was driving to new york city and i'm like buddy like you you're, that's nuts yeah. like you know you're talking about at least from 
uh, Ellington, Connecticut to Providence, you're probably not hitting any traffic. <laughs> right, it's rush probably, hour traffic. Yeah, it's right. an hour and a half, you know, most most likely. Where these other guys, some going to New York City, you're Oof. talking, yeah, you're talking. It could be two and a half hours. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you thinking? Right, <laughs> right, right. Now you're a you're a goalkeeper. Uh, that's what you, what you played as as a, as a player. How much does that does being a goalkeeper? How does that shape your coaching philosophy? How does that shape who you are right now as a soccer player? Yeah, I mean, I think a goalkeeper, right? You get to see the whole field uh, from the back of the team because so you can get to see the things develop uh, in terms of you know building out of the back and and, and the way the ball was moved and um, and kind of my philosophy and how I see the game, right? Possession possession oriented, uh, and then obviously you know you're kind of the last line of defense. Uh, uh, so you want to be really, really organized and have a good structure. So I think that kind of led into kind of how the person I am today, uh, as well as uh, as a coach and as well as a, as a director in, in, in guiding young coaches, um, where you know we want to see the game develop moving forward uh, in, in possession style and in playing through the thirds. And then also we want to be very structured and organized uh, and certainly uh, making it difficult for, for opponents to score. Now, where did you grow up? Are you New, are you New England guy? No, no. My accent's gotten better. I've, I've lived, <laughs> since I've lived in New, uh, New England and Connecticut, you know, since 2001. So I was at UConn uh, as an assistant coach under Coach Reed for uh, 11 years. And then I was at Oakwood for 10. Uh, but originally from, from Long Island, New York. Ah. Uh, so, yes. I thought I detected yes. I, I yeah. knew I detected it. That's why I didn't think you were from, uh, like, Hingham, Mass or anything. Yes. I had a feeling you were, there was some Long Island. So, yeah, there. I grew up there. Um, played... Uh, Played for Comac uh, back then. I'm sure, just like you, ODP was kind of the big, the right. big thing in the regional team and the youth national teams. That's kind of the process. Uh, it's a lot different now. Now, when I try to talk to my buddies that are out of the game and explain to them about professional academies, they kind of look at me like I got ten <laughs> heads. They're like, yeah. "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Uh, and then obviously you went on and played at Syracuse. What was that experience like playing there? Yeah, so I went on to play at Syracuse. Um, our coach was uh, John Mark and I's coach was Dean Fody, uh, who we he basically scouted us and recruited us through the ODP process with the regional team, uh, and that experience is really really good, uh, unbelievable actually, um, in the sense that now I get to work every day basically with. Uh, with my best friend, uh, kind of from college and now, so it's a pretty cool experience. And then, you know, I also help out, like you said, a little bit of PC, uh, where he's an associate head coach there. So, you know, it's an interesting dynamic where we get to be around each other all the time. What's that like working with your best friend? Are there times where you guys butt heads philosophically with soccer? Or are you guys kind of on the same wavelength? Soccer, soccer was certainly on the same wavelength. Uh, we believe the game should be played uh, the same the way we look at it. Um, he's a little bit more laid back. I'm certainly a little <laughs> bit more intense. Um, I'm a lot more organized than him. He's going to get mad that I just said that. <laughs> that's on the air now. Um, he can't, I know. can't take that that's back. That's all right, though. He knows that, uh, and so does everybody else. But but that's, I think, what, what makes us really good together is we're kind of, you know, they say opposite of track. Uh, and we're really kind of opposite um, in, in that sense. And and he does with him, he does an unbelievable job where he kind of trusts me and he lets me kind of run uh, the boys program for the most part with uh, MLS Next. And then the same thing with Chris Clark on the girls' side, right? He Chris is unbelievable. He lets Chris kind of run run uh, the girls' side with Elite 64. You mentioned you coached with uh, Coach Reed at UConn, obviously a legend in New England, legend nationwide and among coaching circles what was that experience like yeah i mean he 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 really he was a great mentor he basically you know he he molded me shaped me to the to the coach i am today um and uh obviously now you know he had a really good career at uconn and now he's involved with uh harford athletic and you know you can see good things happening there already just the way he's driven right i mean i don't want to 
give him a date, but I want to say he's probably between 65 and 66. And the guy wakes up at five o'clock every, <laughs> every morning and he's, and he's going at it. And now he's got obviously Tad, uh, Tad Ramos there. So it's a, it's a, a, you know, great head coach he has there. And I think they'll have big things moving forward. Were there other, any other coaching influences in your life that you grew up, you know, coaches you had growing up or guys that kind of shaped or, or anybody who shaped. Yeah. Kind of I mean, I, and then I, and then when I went, moved on to Oakwood, I had Dave Fowle and Rick Dorella, uh, two, two guys, pioneers of, of the youth game. And, and they certainly helped mold me, uh, to the coach I am as well. Um, and then our, uh, our college coach, Dean Fody was a real technical, uh, guy and, and, and kind of saw the game the way we, the way I see it now. So certainly, you know, those guys are definitely big mentors and influences on how I am now today. And then, you know, I'm a big guy that wants to promote, within at our at our own club uh with Bayside you know we have we have some really good talented young coaches um for example we have uh Ruben Resendez who was at Franklin Shores won a national championship um and now uh he's at Bryant so you know we have guys like that and I think that adds a lot a lot of value uh we have a guy Dave DeMello uh who helps out of Providence and then he helps out with our um with our academy teams as well. And, you know, you have guys like that that can be around our, our players. They're only good things are going to happen. And, and, you know, we're excited about the, the, the future of the club with, with the hands that they're in. How would you describe kind of the relationship with, with other clubs? Obviously you spend time in Oakwood. Are you guys, do, do you look at yourselves as like rivals or is it like, pretty friendly with no other. i think it's there's a, certainly a big respect and and between us because we're trying to obviously at the end of the day we're all trying to make uh, american soccer better so you know we have the world cup coming in 2026 uh you know and the goal obviously you know we, we always want to get out of the, the the first round but certainly if we can get to a quarter fine or something like that in home soil so i think we all have the same vision um you know we have an unbelievable re- relationship with the bolts and, and marco kuman and, and brian anskoff uh, certainly with mine with ed oak would uh so i think there is a is a, there is a good mutual respect between the clubs and, and good dialogue as we all have the kind of the same vision and we saw that when when the da kind of folded um certainly in the northeast all the northeast teams kind of got together um and said you know let, let's kind of make this happen even if mls doesn't kind of take over the league we would certainly we were going to do something with those clubs what did you think of that uh, world cup championship match that was unbelievable. Best uh, match you've ever seen, or no? best match I've ever seen. To, you know, to, to today, right? Um, certainly, you know, it's interesting, right? You have Messi. You know, everybody's debating him or Ronaldo, who's the greatest of all time. Um, but to see, you know, to see him play uh, in, on that stage was unbelievable. And you know, we when I went to Spain a couple of years ago, uh, just like we're going with Bayside, we took our Oakwood team, uh, and I got to see him play live, and it wow. was it was something that every time that he's touched the ball, everybody went, went bananas. Well, that that to me that was the the craziest thing about that matches you got Messi and you got Mbappe and two best players in the world and they were at the top of their game in the World Cup yes. final match yes. which I which I thought was incredible and in the moment I'm like you know this is the greatest match of all time I had a, took a few days stewed on it watched it again and I'm like no it really was that the second time around was better than the first time around. yeah I mean it was that was incredible and I think it was interesting right so uh you know you have people didn't like the World Cup uh when it was they you know the compared to the traditional summer, um, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but it was kind of interesting. Like, I think the players were fresher. Uh, I think the size of the country being that it was so small that the, the teams could stay in right, one more lo- centrally located. Yes, they could right. stay in one location. So Argentina was based out of actually a, um, uh, Qatar university. Um, they took over basically the, the a dorm, uh, and obviously souped it up and made it beautiful, but they never had to leave that place. And it was kind of like their home base. Uh, and actually they're going to make, uh, I was reading an article that sounds like they're going to make Messi's room into a, like a hall of fame. And wow. They're never going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great point. Cause 
One thing I think about about 2026 logistically is North America. I mean, Mexico, Canada, United States. That's going to be very spread out. The event is going to be super spread out amongst a lot of venues. I'll be interested to see how that the dynamics of that work. Yeah, I think it's it's people don't realize the travel. You know, uh, certainly from a base side standpoint, it's a lot different, obviously. But we still we still traveled a lot this fall. But like with the MLS, you know, you got a team from uh, you got the Revs. They got to fly all the way across the country to play the Galaxy on a weekend. That's a lot. Like. You look at the the teams in the EPL, right? Everything's a bus trip. I mean, maybe right. there's occasionally there's one flight that they take to play somebody on the other side of the country. Um, the only flights they really take is Champions League or Europa League. They're not they're not you know they're not flying around the country like like our players are. And they said yet sometimes when the foreigners come here, like when David Beckham first came here, he, he was like shocked, like all right, I got to fly from LA all the way to New York and play a game. Right, right. Well, we'll circle back to uh, Bayside FC. You know, it's early January right now. In, in June, when you look back and assess 2022-23, what will be a success for, for the club? I think if, if our teams are if fin- all finish above 500, 500 from a from a statistical you know uh, view, that'll certainly be a very positive step. I think we our player pool is very strong. I think if we can add a couple players here and there, uh, moving into into the summer uh, and certainly into next fall, um, but I think. You know, for me, that that that'll be key is if if our teams can it can kind of get over the hump and get to a good spot, and then certainly, obviously, we want to move some players on um, that deserve to kind of get looked at by the Revs because that's the ultimate goal. And then our seniors to make sure that they're going to the right places, and the right places doesn't have to be, you know, all Division One. There's nothing wrong with a kid's going to a Division Three school like a Tufts or a Wesleyan or, or something like that. We want our kids to graduate not only as good people have a great experience, but make sure that they're playing their best soccer when they're, when they're hitting their freshman year in college. Do you know, is there a, a percentage of players you guys have when they finish up at Bayside that go on to college? Is it pretty, is it last year? Was, be pretty high. Right? Yeah. Last year was my first year. I want to say it was very, very, very high. Um, but our goal is to kind of make sure it's at a hundred percent or certainly close to that every year. Um, and I think now at that MLS next platform, I think it's going to elevate even more because we're also getting players that, that we wouldn't have gotten before. And we're also retain, returning, uh, retaining players. So before, maybe at 14, the kid goes, well, you kind of lost that MLS pathway because you don't have it at 15, 16, 17, 19. I'm going to go to the bolts where now we're not going to lose those kids. We're going to keep them in-house, and they're going to keep developing. And, you know, obviously when they graduate our program, they're in a better place. Are, are those tough conversations to, to have with a kid that, you know, obviously every kid wants Division One, They want to play Division One, but... When you have those conversations about what the best fit is for a particular kid, is it is it hard to level with them? Like, let's explore D three, let's explore D two. How, how do those work? Right. No, I mean you got to be up and honest. Uh, you never want to take a player or parents down the wrong path. Um, but I think if you're up and honest and you say, "Listen, this is this is what's gonna, this is what's good for you," um, and this is where you know we we see you and. It's not necessarily, you know, Division three schools, Tufts is better than most Absolutely. Division one schools. You know what I mean? So that, that you can't really sometimes get stuck up on the on the divisions where it's more about, all right, what, what, what am I getting out of this experience? What is the education, obviously? You want to make sure you're getting a good education. Um, and then you also want to play. You know, that's the key. You don't want to go to a school and not play because then you're going to end up not liking the game where if you go somewhere and you, and you play uh, all the time, you're going to end up being loving the game and then you want to give back. I mean, for me, that's what it's about, right? That's why I coach because I want to give back to what the game what the game gave me and my family. Now I want to give that opportunity to somebody else. 
Well, there's obviously big things happening with Bayside. It's it's been a big year already. We still have a spring season to go. Um, best of luck to you guys when you get out to Europe. That's going to be. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was going on that. Yeah, trip yeah. When we <laughs> we'll uh, we'll take some good pictures and when we come back. We'll uh, we'll fill you guys in. But thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again to Kevin Bacher for joining the podcast. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media Production.